It's time for JT the Brick. Welcome in to our brand new coverage. We need to come in hardcore. Raiders got a bunch of guys. Back in the old days, they had legends. He gets the Raiders. He understands the Raiders. He's going to be a great Raider. Well, show it to me. No penalties. The only holes that I see on this team are linebackers. There's going to be some moments this year that are going to be top sledding. Okay, one of them could be now. I got it all for you. Keep it PG. No, never happened. I'd like to get this show going the way I know how to get the show going. Our standard is high. We're coming. It's time to fire this thing up. What the hell are you listening to? Who are you getting this garbage from? JT the Brick. Hey, look at me. I'm the needy radio guy. Gimme, gimme, gimme. We are ready to rock. It ain't broke. Don't fix it. Are you with me? One guy kind of throws the fuel into the fire. So sound off like you got up here and get going. Use the phone like a weapon. We need to leave a wake of destruction. That's all I had this week for you. And now, Raider Nation Unite! Here's JT the Brick. JT, back with you. It's our number the two of the show, brought to you by La Casa Cigars. Hey, I got the new cigar hookup there in Tivoli Village. I've been there for the first two Thursday night games. I'll either be there Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. Fantastic place. It blew me away. The live music. I love live music. Entertainment's been exceptional. The outdoor patio's fantastic. The cigar selection, off the charts. I'm a cigar guy. My buddies and I have been in there. Been fantastic. The back room, the front room, and especially their bourbons, their whiskeys. Their scotches, whatever you want, fantastic. La Casa Cigars, my new spot also at the tailgate. I slide by there in the S lot after I leave the J lot in the black hole. So thanks to La Casa Cigars, proud partner of our show. I love a good cigar. I try to hold up on them until Thursday or Friday, but I've had a lot of fun there the last couple of weeks. Tivoli Village, real easy to get there. Not too far from where I live. I pop in there, have a good time with friends. It's outstanding. La Casa Cigars, Tivoli Village. All right, I'm open for about 20 minutes here. One of those shows where we have a lot of interviews. I actually moved Vince Sapienza till tomorrow. We had Jim Lampley. We had Steve Wisniewski, Bill Williamson. I have Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, not a friend of the Raider Nation. I was going to have Lights Out Sean Merriman on, but I didn't want to have him on this week. He can get really chippy with me. Give him a little break. We'll get him at the home game. Uh, we don't have to worry about Charger fans coming. For all the criticism the Raiders are getting for opposing fans coming here, and I get it. I don't have much to say. When I don't have, when I don't have much to say in a debate, you don't hear much from me. we got to turn that around. I even had a fan say to me today, man, wouldn't it be better if the Raiders were in L.A.? I said, well, they tried L.A. It was Carson. Remember that? The deal was a done deal until Jerry Jones and Kroenke came in here. Vegas is exceptional. I think it's a, I've been to SoFi twice, and I'm a season ticket holder at Allegiant. SoFi is big and vast. It's in Inglewood. We're in Vegas. I like it better. People like it better. People love Allegiant Stadium. Unfortunately, some opposing fans are getting bold and coming in there. And Raider Nation, take back your stadium by holding on to your tickets here. Coach McDaniels spoke. Let me give you the number if you want to react to the team this week. And we're in the preview of the Chargers. So if you're going to call in in the next 20 minutes, what's the key to beating the Chargers the next couple of days? I'll go first. I said as we wrapped up hour number one, there's got to be something different. Do we all agree on that? That we can't go status quo This defense isn't very good statistically. It hasn't been for a long time. Paul Gunther, Patrick Graham, go through everyone who's been a defensive coordinator here. Gus Bradley, who had some good players. The defense is very predictable because they don't have elite players. This isn't Baltimore. 
Okay, this isn't a defense that you go, oh, my God, if we put it in the air like Buffalo, they're going to pick it off. So just do something different. Don't play a basic zone. Don't give them what you show on film every week. That's what's troublesome to me with Patrick Graham's defense. Just mix it up. I get it. You want to play conservative. You want to have two high safeties with Epps and Merrick. What is that doing for you? Neither one of them get the ball or get their hands on the ball. I'm expecting Epps to have a big year. Why wouldn't I? I think he was an upgrade at the position there. Younger, played all 17 games last year with the NFC champs and played in the Super Bowl. I'm optimistic that Epps will play well and get his hands on the ball. Merrig, I'm at a point now with Merrig where he can tackle well in space. Sometimes he makes good decisions. I like Isaiah Palomal. I would put him in. I would make the change now. I would bring in a guy who's more of a ball hawk in this atmosphere or have him on the field more. Just figure it out. Substitution substitution pattern. Make it unique. Marcus Peters dropped the pick six. I expect him to bounce back. He's got to be on Keenan Allen. He's got to be. You can't put Ja'Korian Bennett on Keenan Allen. Are you out of your mind? All day. He had 18 receptions last week. He's licking his chops if he sees Bennett across from him. He's never played on the road much. you got to be careful with that one. Double sa- High safety over the top. Just try to take him out of the game. You're not. But Marcus Peters, on a player like Keenan Allen, who's a veteran, who's not super long in the tooth, but a guy that shouldn't be able to run around everybody, but he's going to make every big catch if he can get his hands on the ball. And then the linebackers let him fly. Who's the best blitzer? Is it Divine Diablo? Do you want to bring in a safety? Do you want to bring in someone off the edge? Do whatever you want to do. Just don't make it look like the film. The Chargers are looking at the Raiders game film today, and they're looking at the defense saying, we are going to carve this up, and the Raiders got to say, no, we're not going to give them the same look. Does that make sense to anybody? Or do you want to just sit in this base defense that we've seen against Buffalo and Pittsburgh and Kenny Pickett or do you want to change it up a bit? I thought they played well against Russell Wilson. They did. I mean, Russell Wilson and Denver's having a really bad start to the year. They're not that bad. Okay, they're, they're struggling with the new head coach. There were some good points to take away there. On the offensive side, we don't seem to know exactly what's going to go on here with Jimmy Garoppolo. So there's going to be some challenges here on the quarterback decision on what they need to do as we open up with the sound. So when we open up with the sound here on the quarterback decision and how they have to get three quarterbacks ready this week, this is an important part of our Raider Nation radio coverage this week. You know, you you can only do what you can do. Um, So, you know, every meeting is productive. Um, You know, the guys that can't work. I mean, this is really every week for us. It just happens this week. You know, it centers around the quarterback. But... Um, you know, you got to get everybody ready to go in the meetings. Um, you know, we could incur an injury anytime in practice too. So we kind of, you know, treat all our players as if they're going to be ready to go and they got to play. Um, so this no different in that regard. Um, the two guys that haven't played yet have done a tremendous amount of preparation, um, for the first three games and that won't change this week. So to me, if they're preparing the right way, it shouldn't, you know, nothing should change just because they may have a better chance to potentially play. Uh, than they would have the first three games. So um, use all of our time wisely, uh, walk through, meeting. Um, you know, Jimmy's here and, and available to do all that stuff too in terms of the meetings. Um, and then we're just going to go through the, the week and, and see where it all, all lies. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll take give the guys reps in practice. They usually get reps anyway uh, to some degree, uh, be a little bit more obviously if uh, if Jimmy's not out there today. So 
um, you know, we'll just kind of take it one day at a time, do the best we can, uh, prepare them as hard as we can for today, and then we'll see what tomorrow brings. Yeah, and that tomorrow we got to see Jimmy G at some point coming through protocol. That's what I'm hoping for because I'm not losing my mind with him not being able to come back to play without practice. Am I the only guy who's not freaking out about this? Look, if he can't play, he's going to be ruled out because he didn't conclu- he didn't clear concussion protocol. So I'm not assuming he's going to clear it or not. But if he does clear it on Thursday or Friday, I could give a rat's blank if he practices and throws one pass. I don't need to see any of it. He's practiced his whole life. Get him out on the field, give him the game plan, and let him have a bounce-back game. I think that's the key. Now, Coach McDaniels was talking talking about Hoyer or Aiden O'Connell and the decision coming up here on what they're going to be able to do and how they're going to be able to get it down here, and they got to play a quarterback either way. They have to play a quarterback either way, one who has no experience and the other one who has a lot of experience in the backup role. So I don't care who plays. I think Aiden O'Connell is the better example of a guy who can shock the world. You know, I think you just evaluate it, you know, in real time. Um, you're right. Experience is, is valuable. Um, um, and at the same time, we, you know, we, we'll, we'll try to play the right person based on what the situation is and how practice goes, if that's what, what it comes to, you know. So um, I think everybody's going to get ready to go, um, you know, and I think sometimes, you know, experience is a good thing. It doesn't mean that it's going to um, determine how it's going to go for one guy versus another. I mean, there's a lot of guys that are don't have a lot of experience that can play well, you know, because they're prepared and they do the right thing to get ready and they go out and ultimately what matters is how they perform, not how long they've been in the NFL or, or how many games they've played in or what have you. So um, both guys will get ready to go. Um, you know, both of them have an opportunity in practice. And like I said, we'll see how Jimmy, you know, prog- progresses as we go through the week. All right. So that's fine with me. He was not out there today to Sean Reed. Uh, just tweeted it out 20 minutes ago. Garoppolo wasn't practicing for the Raiders today as per expected. And that's what I expected. I, if he practices tomorrow, again, I don't care. I want him to play in the game under all conditions if he clears, period. And I'm going to pound that point to the end of the week until they tell me in my ear he's been ruled out. I'm going to hope that he gets through concussion protocol and he's able to play. And he was asked about this coach on the potential of Jimmy G getting some good news ready to go. Yeah, I mean, he's already moving through it. So, um, you know, again, it doesn't mean that um, we know what the ultimate end result will be. Um, but he's doing good so far. And, you know, uh, again, that's out of my, it's out of my you know, uh, jurisdiction. So we'll just find out, you know, when they tell us. All right, so the number is 702-365-9200. Uh, we don't have the quarterback scenario played out in front of us here. I understand if you want to talk about that and uh, bring up Aiden O'Connell over Hoyer. I made that point as we opened up the show. If you're joining us late, I'd go with O'Connell. I don't think they should have kicked the field goal. I think they should have went for the touchdown. These are very simple comments from me. If you don't find them critical enough, I could give a crap. I think those are two really important statements I'm saying. I'd go with O'Connell if that's the case, and I would have gone for the six and the two when the game was live. I said it eight seconds after the game on the postgame show that I did for an hour and a half after the game. I'm salty. I'm pissed off. I think this is a big game. I think a lot will know a lot about this team after they come back from L.A., And I think there's a lot of players on this team, veterans on this team, that have to do a big job having this team ready to go. There are young players in the locker room who have never been under this type of pressure. 
with a one and two team trying to understand what the vision is long term, which I think they know the vision is every day to win. But you don't let any doubt slip into their heads. They're professional football players. So the veterans and the captains have got to have them ready for the Chargers. This organization has been beating the Chargers for decades, and now they need a big one on the road to get back to 500 and 2-2. Two and two. Hacksaw is next. Yeah, just no timeouts, and it was less than a yard, and, and just we feel like we had the play to finish with the ball. We were protecting, you know, four points, not three, so that was part of, you know, my thought process, and uh, I believe in our group. You know, we came here to win, and that's what we were trying to do. Wow, Brandon Staley did it again, going on a critical fourth down, and his team bailed them out. They don't get it, and Kirk Cousins can't score, and then Josh McDaniels, Ends up kicking three and doesn't go for six, which could have been eight. And now both these coaches are going after it this Sunday at SoFi Stadium. The franchise, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, joins me from Southern California. Lee, which team do you want to start with? The Raiders are one and two. The Chargers could have been 0-3, but they pulled out a win against Minnesota. You go first. Which team is more alarming to you, and which team do you think has more problems in front of them? Uh, I would have to say that the Chargers continue to be a mystery as to how they could have all this talent, JT, and just continue to struggle. Uh, the Bolts won that game in Minnesota despite their head coach. Unfortunately, the Vikings lost that game on Sunday against the Chargers because of their coaches. Uh, Brandon Staley continues to take a lot of heat about his decision-making. I think the one thing that's really <laughs> surprised everybody is we would have thought with Justin Herbert and Kellen Moore, there'd be a lot more chunk plays down the field. And it's not been that way offensively at all during these three games. And they don't have Austin Eckler back, the, the lead running back, who's got a high ankle sprain and does not appear ready to practice this week. So the Chargers have got a, a whole bunch of issues. Their defensive front has given up chunks of yards. Their secondary has really been shabby. They're one of the worst-rated defensive teams in the league. So they're not a complete football team yet. That being said, the Raiders, to me, from outside the circle watching a lot of this, just kind of look like they're a fractured team. They just seem to have so many problems. Jimmy G plays well, manages games, and gets dinged. You know, he, if he's still in concussion protocol, that's not a good sign for this coming weekend. Devontae Adams is just one spectacular individual. Uh, you know, the Josh Jacobs holdout, from my theory, has really hurt this team because he does not look like the same running back as he was a year ago when he was just a dominant, dominant figure. And defensively, Max Crosby can't do this whole thing by himself. And the Chandler Jones mental health crisis issue, I think, has hurt that defense. And as hard as those guys are playing on the back end, and I collectively like everything they've got, they can't be on the field, you know, for 34 minutes mm -hmm. a, a game. And, and they're not getting off the field. So... Raiders just have an enormous amount of problems from top to bottom across the roster. Just that's not a complete team, and the Chargers have not shown us a complete football game yet. Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, tell me about J.C. Jackson when they, they got him to bring him in there. I thought he was going to be one of those final pieces, not only to potentially win a Super Bowl with Derwin James and Bosa and Mack, highly coveted player, and it just seems like this has been a disaster signing for him. His issues off the field, not showing up for the warrant, the arrest warrant, all the other problems he has. I haven't watched him play 
every down here, but how big of an issue is this for the Chargers and their secondary going forward? Well, when they first got him from New England, they signed him as a big money free agent for $82 million. I went back and looked at video, and I was really impressed because he is so athletic, and he was running and making all kinds of plays. They got him out here on the West Coast, JT, and they put him into press coverage, and he had never played that before, and he was miserable his first season. And then he came back to start the second season, and he just wasn't the same player. Then he got the patella knee injury. Uh, and then when he came back this year, he just got smoked in the first game of the season. Now, granted, Miami is smoking everybody offensively with that passing attack that Tua's got. He just looked totally lost out there. And then they, then they deactivated him. And now the arrest warrant, we find out, comes out last Friday night uh, before their road game in Minnesota. Somebody made, a, I think, a critical mistake in that organization. How could you not see that he might not fit what you're doing with what Brendan Staley wants to do in terms of press coverage, slot coverage, etc. Every time I look up, guys are running by him, and he's not responding, he's not reacting, etc. You could say, well, patella knee injury, maybe he's not back. And prior, when he came out of New England, he had an ankle issue too. But, my goodness, they gave him a lot of money, and the guy doesn't seem to fit the system. And their pass secondary is as athletic as I've seen in recent years, but they're really young and for every pass they knock down, they get scorched twice. Uh, they're giving up chunks and chunks of yardage. So they're in big trouble, and I think Jackson personally is in big trouble. And I don't, I don't know what this club is going to do, whether they put him on the commissioner's exempt list, uh, why, why he would ever allow, why his agent would ever allow the situation to exist of him not showing up in court, him not paying the fine, him not going to the court case uh, counseling sessions that were mandated. You know, there's another story out there because mm-hmm. this summer he was involved in a domestic family issue in Massachusetts, and we don't know the outcome of that. So there's just a track record here of things you don't understand how the Chargers could give somebody like that $82 million without knowing he could play or without yeah. understanding maybe this guy's got baggage. Hacksaw's our guest. Lee, you'd be the perfect guy to ask being in the market so long, even though the Chargers have gone north to L.A. As a former voice of the Chargers, Justin Herbert, to me, is the franchise. If they're going to build the fan base and try to take control of L.A., with so many Raider fans there and the Rams recently winning the Super Bowl, how are the, what's the Spanos family doing to market him? I'm seeing more national television commercials. I think he has a Subway commercial, an insurance commercial. He's around a bit. Is it gravitating into the suburbs of Los Angeles, competing against LeBron James, the Dodgers, USC, UCLA, what do you think the Chargers are doing with his name, image, and likeness, even though he's not in college, he's in the pros? Is it going to work out eventually with him there? Well, it will work out for him, the player, because I think he's a spectacular leader. Mm-hmm. I think he's a great quarterback, and I think he's a really classy individual. That being said, what's important in Los Angeles? Dodgers are going to the World Series, possibly. What's important in Los Angeles? Lakers are about to open preseason camp. And by the way, USC thinks it's, going to be in the college football championship game. Those are the three most talked-about storylines. And the Chargers, the Rams, now unfortunately the Clippers, UCLA, NHL, has all dropped down a tier on the ladder in terms of being front of mind with the fans, the media, and sports talk radio. Uh, He's a great player. As hard as the Chargers might try to create an aura around him, nobody really cares. 
And, you know, it's weird because here we, we were just, what, a year plus removed to the Rams in the Super Bowl. And two weeks ago when the Rams played the 49ers, you would have thought that game was in Santa Clara. Mm-hmm. There was so much red at SoFi Stadium. And I have no doubt the color of the day this Sunday will be silver and black, or sometimes as I refer to it, silver and bleak. I, I think Raider fan will overwhelm that stadium. So I think it burns the question, JT, how really passionate are NFL fans for the games and the teams in L.A.? Because they sure seem to be selling their tickets to the out-of-town ticket buyers mm-hmm. coming in to see his team play the Rams or his team play the Bolts. I agree with you. That's a big thing we're, we're dealing with in Vegas with fans buying tickets because they'll overpay for them. And the same thing, I don't even know if you have to overpay for them as much in L.A. because it's a bigger stadium. I don't think Charger fans are getting triple their money like Raider fans have been getting. Hey, Lee, I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about the Padres because you saw this coming potentially. We talk a lot, and you've been on both my shows, and this team was built to go deep. And last year they got in and they got around against the Dodgers, and then it almost seemed like they doubled down coming into this season. The Yankees didn't make the playoffs. The Mets didn't make the playoffs. And here we're looking at the Padres, who wanted to be a World Series contender. What happened in San Diego with this franchise, and what do they do going forward? Well, the dateline in New York has been shredded because of the injuries. What happened to the Mets before they ever got to opening night and the loss of pitching, and then obviously the decision by management to move Verlander and Scherzer. The Yankees have been destroyed by injuries. In fact, I would think that outside of the mess that the Angels are with all their injuries, that outside of Aaron Judge, Gian Colos, Starton, and virtually that whole starting rotation, Yankees had not had a good team on the field, a better team instead on the injured list. Uh, in terms of the Char- Padres, they committed $253 million. It's a staggering amount of money. And you can buy individual talent, but you can't buy team chemistry. And now the stories in the last 10 days, JT, have spilled out. I wrote about it on my website. The newspaper, the athletic website, has also written about it. Tremendous chemistry, turmoil within, a lot of controversy involving the general manager, A.J. Preller, uh, and his interference with Bob Melvin. Uh, then you get to the end of the season, and you just, you know, shredded by injuries. This team should have never been 20 games behind the Dodgers, but these guys just didn't play well together, and they didn't produce. Their top five money guys all have batting averages of anywhere from 10 to 20 points below their career mm. averages all this season. So it's just been a staggering situation for the Padres. And what makes it worse is they had nothing at the top of the farm system to come in, they're going to wind up losing probably the Cy Young Award candidate in Blake Snell. The, the free agent closer of the year is going to be Josh Hader, and he's going to be gone. They have a tough decision to make with Juan Soto because not only did they trade six for one with Washington to get Juan Soto, they also wound up acquiring Scott Boros because Boros represents Soto and mm. Boros represents Blake Snell. And the ownership has now indicated they're going to take the payroll from 253 down to 200 million, and they don't have any AAA players to replace these guys. So, this whole thing has unraveled, and there's a huge debate. Do you fire the general manager? I don't think so, because the owner gave him a contract extension through 2027, even though I didn't think he deserved it. Or do you fire Bob Melvin, who's only got a year left on his deal? Or is Melvin just going to walk away because he's been so interfered with? Yeah. GT, I've been in that clubhouse a lot. And I was, I was here during the last clubhouse siege of the Matt Kemp's and the Justin Uptons, and that was horrible. This one's not real good. 
And if you've got a GM who's in the clubhouse and doing it in a dugout and he's pulling all the strings and all the guys he brought in don't fit, you've got a real significant problem on your franchise. And it, it's a shame because JT Day had 61 sellouts this year. Yes. Second highest attendance in all of baseball, 3.23 million fans. And now these fans come away disappointed. They cranked the ticket prices up for the third year in a row, 38% ticket price increase in a three-year span. And they've yet to get to the World Series. So this is going to be a fascinating October, November, going to the winter baseball meetings as to how they change the roster, change the chemistry clubhouse, and do they change the general manager or the guy in the dugout, the manager? Interesting story going down the road. I'm sure we'll talk more about it. Yeah, tremendous analysis. I have the website in front of me every day, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. Great for my show prep. Great for any fan that wants information that's updated constantly. Lee, it'll be interesting to see what comes out of SoFi on Sunday. I'll text you. I'll reach out to you and hope to talk to you again real soon. My pleasure. Have yourself a great sports weekend. Thanks, JT. Be well. You got it. Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, one of the pioneers, pioneers of sports radio. His monologue is exactly how I do my monologue. It came from him. I just loved my philosophy when I heard Lee the first time. First off, he has no writers. There's people now who are frauds, and their whole show's written for him, written for him by interns and people who watch the games because they don't watch the game. He puts all his work. He taught me how to do prep, and he always said, the first 20 minutes are your show. The whole show's our shows. But, you know, you get a call, you get a guest. It could go sideways, this or that. Lee's first 20 minutes is how I built my entire career. Every time I crack a microphone, the first 20 minutes is what I think. No one else's opinion. I learned that from him. He's a pioneer in sports talk, loyal friend. And, again, he's a guy now that's trying to keep up with all of this evolution of what's happening with media, like I'm doing. You know, I'm, I'm doing this YouTube live. I'm going on Damon Bruce's today. I did a podcast today with Looney. I'm going on with Damon Bruce live at 2.20 or 2.30 today. Then I'm shutting it down, man. I'm like, I, I do this show, and it's good. But the, the world is changing now where you have to provide content when you're not on the radio. And my wife says, you're always on the radio. But my son wants me to provide more content, so I'm on Instagram. I'm doing all this because that's where the new wave of monsters are coming. Pat McAfee, right? All these people are going to different platforms because many of them believe that radio is dead. And I don't believe that radio is dead. Maybe AM radio is not what it used to be. FM radio going away in New York and all that. But you got to have content. And people are looking at their phones, Bobby, more than they're listening to radio. And we're aware of that. And that's why we're pivoting a little bit when we're not on the air here. So what's this about? You're shutting it down tonight? Well, I mean, I'm. You, you're not going to the Golden Knights preseason opener? I am not going to anything tonight. <laughs> I have a friend in town. We're going to have a nice dinner and then uh, going to relax. Remember, Wednesday night's big for me. I interview the coach on Thursday. And everybody thinks that's easy or too easy for the coach. I got to sit down with the coach. And this one's a one and two coach coming off that loss who needs to get to two and two. So we're going to preview. One of the things about interviewing the coach on Thursday is he cycled through all his content on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. We know that. We like to look ahead and get ready for the Chargers. He's a servant when it comes to the other team. He is. He can tell you every – today I wrote notes down listening to his press conference. He spent two minutes on their punter. I thought we had the best punter in football in A.J. Colt. Sounds like their punter is unbelievable and how the field position is going to change in this game. DeAndre Carter maybe an advantage for the Raiders here, but you don't know if the punt gets kicked out of bounds – the Ray Guy coffin corner, or if something unique happens, don't give up a return. Play great and be fundamentally sound. 
You all know if you've been listening to me for 15 minutes or 25 years, I think Justin Herbert's the real deal. I think he's top two or three. Now, he hasn't won a Super Bowl. He doesn't have the, you know, the wins of Mahomes, but I think his talent level's at that level. So the Raiders are going to have to play much better on defense if they're going to have a shot to win the game. Vinny Bonsignor joins us next. We're brought to you by Meetup Vegas. Go get the new packages of meat they have, brand new, at meetupvegas.com. Code JT Brick. Rejected by Wilson, and Wilson picks it up. Brings it up court herself to Chelsea Gray. Asia's third block, Chelsea to Asia, off the glass and count that bucket. Wilson with 20. Asia started it, Asia finished it. TC fired up, way to go. Go Aces. JT back with you, hope you're having a great day. Q is on deck, every week we get a chance to talk to Vinny Bonsignor, who's kind enough to join us. And Vinny, I think this is a big one for me and you. I think there's this is a point in the season that can turn around dramatically if the team plays better and they have a good performance and win the game. I just don't know if they're going to perform better and have a great game. This is a tough game for me to break down and analyze. How about you? Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, the, the L.A. Chargers are no slouches. I mean, they've got one of the more talented rosters in the league. I know it hasn't come together for them defensively, uh, but that's an offense that, you know, quite honestly – is one of the best in the NFL, potentially, with one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. So this is a game where the Raiders have got to play complementary football on both sides of the ball, and it's going to take points offensively to score this game. And I know that sounds obvious, but I'm talking about they got to finally get into the 20s, most likely, uh, to win this football game, and they haven't been close to the 20s uh, yet this season through three games. Uh, Vinny, how do you cover a team when people are saying it's encouraging that Jimmy Garoppolo can get through? For me, it's simple. If I, I just do what they tell me. If Will Kiss says he's going to play, I, I get on the radio and say he's going to play. I'm not going to predict concussion protocol, but I can at least say that it's changed in the last four or five years for me where it seems like the league really wants quarterbacks to shut down if they're in the protocol and not rush it through, even if they weren't dinged dramatically. So I want Jimmy to play. And if Jimmy gets through this protocol, I'm one of the guys who doesn't think he needs practice. He's played his whole career. He doesn't need practice to play and get on a plane and, and beat the Chargers, but it doesn't matter if he doesn't get cleared. Yeah, it obviously doesn't matter if, if there's no clearance. Uh, there's a hard line on that, obviously, and it. And, you know, the coaches or the, you know, fans, uh, everybody's out of that equation aside from uh, the people that make those types of decisions, and that's the medical people, and that's what the NFL has decided to do, rightfully so, to put it in the hands of medical people. And to the point where, you know, there's, there's uh, you know, non-team uh, appointed uh, experts that, that have to check off on it as well. So, you know, that's step number one. And, and then there is, though, you know, we saw we saw a couple of years ago go into Indianapolis when Carson Wentz didn't practice all week because of COVID, played on Sunday and played horribly. Um, mm. You know, do I think do I think that Jimmy G would play horribly? No, I'm not saying that. Uh, but it's 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 not the easiest thing to just you know walk out onto a football field after not practicing for an entire week and game planning and all of those types of things 
um, getting your rhythm, getting um, you know acclimated to the to the playbook, all of those sorts of things, and just going out there uh, and playing it. This isn't high school football. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's multi layered. Uh, do I think that he can pull it off? Probably. Um, is that the best case scenario? Not even close. Vinny Bonsignor joins us. J.C. Jackson. We just talked to Hacksaw down in Southern California. His his problems off the field are significant, and he was a healthy scratch. Derwin James, I expect to be questionable. They'll have Mack and Bosa. And then I look around, you know, if Derwin James isn't at 100%, this is a defense that's never healthy and never seems to have this unbelievable dominant game. And the stats prove that this year, that the Raiders, no matter who the quarterback is, should be able to take shots in open spaces here. What do you think of the defensive matchup of the Chargers, depending on, let's just say it's Aiden O'Connell, and Aiden O'Connell had a play in this game. I think there'll be windows for him to throw into, Vinny. Yeah, no question about it. And if you're a Chargers fan, it's a little problematic that the one side of the ball that they haven't been able to figure out uh, in, in, in Los Angeles with the Chargers is defensive uh, is the defensive side of the ball. And, oh, by the way, the head coach is a defensive-minded head coach. That is the side of the ball that has really let the, the, uh, the Chargers down uh, over the last few years. And, and certainly, you know, when you look at what, they, what they've done, uh, you know, this year, they're one and two. They could have lost the game in Minnesota. They just haven't been able to um, shut it down defensively. Mm-hmm. And and that's a that's a bad that's a problem when your when your head coach was brought in to fix it because he's a defensive minded head coach. So uh, an interesting situation going on with the Chargers in that regard. Uh, and you have to wonder at what point do they say, "Boy, we're wasting uh, one of the great quarterbacks in the NFL because we're just not able to get it done uh, on the other side of the ball when when changes might be happening." That said, when you look at the Chargers and you look at the roster, even on defense it's always in the back of your head that they could get it turned around at any moment. They're that mm. talented. Uh, and I guess for the Raiders and Raider fans, you'd hate for it to be on Sunday in Los Angeles. Vinny Bonson, yours our guest, Vegas Nation. Vinny, I look at Devontae. I know how happy he is in this town because a lot of my friends, a couple of my friends, know him really well. And his wife and his kids, he loves it here. He doesn't like it here. He loves it here. Yeah, he shows a little bit of frustration, and then the national media is putting together top five destinations in a trade and all of that. You cover him in the locker room, and you see him at practice. What have you noticed? Has there been a change in Devontae? Does Devontae, he looks completely locked into me on the field and everything I see on social media. How do you cover Devontae now? Is there anything different you're seeing? No, and, and you, could, you could throw out all the trade rumors and all that. That's, that's just garbage, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but in regards to Devontae Adams, you know, I, I, and I've told him this, he, he, there's some, there's some Kobe Bryant like tendencies, uh, to Devontae Adams, how he approaches things, his intellectual side. Uh, and, and aside from one little moment uh, back in, I think it was 20, 2007, where, where Kobe kind of demanded a trade. Aside from that, uh, Kobe Bryant said a lot of things about a lot of people and pointed things. Um, in terms of teammates and, and wanting to get guys going and, and, and drawing a, a, a harsh line in the sand and, and holding everybody accountable publicly with what he said. And it wasn't because he wanted to leave. It was because he knew that there was talent around him that wasn't necessarily uh, honoring that talent in terms of their work ethic and, and their diligence and, their, and ha- being locked in play after play after play. And he would challenge people to do that, but that didn't mean he didn't love Los Angeles, that he didn't love uh, the Lakers. He did, um, but he said things 
pointedly to get guys motivated. Mm-hmm. And I was standing right there with uh, with Devontae Adams on Sunday. I asked him one of those questions, um, you know, uh, that, that that drew the response that he did. And I felt like he was talking to everybody in that locker room um, and, and challenging everyone in that locker room to be the best version of themselves. That doesn't mean everybody has to be an all-pro. That doesn't mean everybody has to be a Hall of Famer. That's not what he's asking for. Mm-hmm. He's asking for everybody to do whatever they have to do on a daily basis, starting on Monday through Saturday and then carrying over into Sunday, to be the best version of themselves, to always be locked in. And, and that's who he was talking to. That was the audience. And we're going to get into the locker room a little bit later on today to see um, how that fell in that locker room. Uh, I think that it fell where, exactly where it needed to. Vinny, last one. I know you get some locker room uh, privileges coming up here. Which position group do you think should have the most scrutiny on them going into this game and has to react best and play better? Uh, I'm going to say with, I'm going to say the offensive line uh, because there's you know that's part of the uh, the issue in terms of the run game. Uh, you know, we, we it's easy to, to kind of point fingers at, at Jimmy and and rightfully so he needs to play better, but it sure would help him uh, and his offense if if the offense was able to run the ball. And I think that. They haven't done a good enough job across the board, such as the offensive line, it's the tight ends. Uh, Michael Mayer needs to get better in terms of the blocking. Everyone else that contributes to that uh, needs to do better. But it does start on the offensive line. Last week there were breakdowns um, in the run game. There were breakdowns in pass protection. It really does start uh, there. And you've got to be able to make your quarterback comfortable. Part of that is protecting him in the pass game, but also creating a run game so that it gives the quarterback something to lean on and something that the defense has to truly account for uh, to make life easier uh, for, the, for the quarterback. So that's where I would look the offensive line. Let's get a big plug-in for your proud partners. I know they were with you at Red Tail last week. Yeah, that was a, a blast. Thank you to everybody that came out. I know Dos Cotas, uh was really happy about it. Uh, if, 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 you're, if you're nationwide, go to uh, doscotaspirits.com. Type in the code word kickoff and you'll get 20% off uh, your next uh, Dos Cotas uh, purchase. So, uh, so if you're outside of Las Vegas, Dos Cotas, uh, t- Dos Cotas type in the code word kickoff and uh, get your next uh, order of Dos Cotas at 20% off. I look forward to your content coming out of the locker room today. Thanks, Vinny. Thank you, JT. Take care. Have a great show. You too, Vinny Bonsignor, as we wrap it up. That was a hell of a show today. Jim Lampley, Steve Wisniewski, Bill Williamson, Hacksaw, and Vinny B. Nice job. Five for five. They're all on time. They all had great content tomorrow. My boxing buddy, James Smitty Smith, will call in. We're going to have him on. Johnny Katz, from an entertainment perspective. Lee Sterling will give you three games for free. And we rebooked Vince Sapienza. I'm happy we did because the Golden Knights have their first preseason game tonight, which is exciting here. We're Stanley Cup champs. We, yeah, I live in Vegas, Stanley Cup champs. I'm thrilled about that. So the big breaking news today was Damian Lillard was traded, and he's going to the Milwaukee Bucks in a three-for-one deal. Three-team deal, and this is going to be big. I I think that that gives them the opportunity to be the best team in the East. I, I think the world of both players, Giannis and Damian Lillard there, and what they have left. They have the remnants of a championship team, just a few years ago, and I think this puts him right back into the hunt there. So we'll see how that plays out. Also, the Panthers quarterback, Bryce Young, on track to start against the Vikings coming up here. Remember, the Vikings are an 0-3 team. Uh, The Patriots, I thought Mac Jones deflected talk that he hit Sauce in the private region. Sauce Gardner, remember, we have him coming in here. 
And uh, Mike McDaniel's doing a great job, uh, but they're going to be playing. The Dolphins are playing the Bills coming up this weekend. That is a big deal. And right there at ESPN.com, Garoppolo still in protocol. And that's from Paul Gutierrez, our Tuesday insider. He remains in concussion protocol, putting his availability for Sunday's game against L.A. in jeopardy. But Coach McDaniels remains hopeful that'll play. The Raiders might have to pivot to either 15-year veteran. Wow, 15-year veteran Brian Hoyer, who last won an NFL game in 2016. I did not know that. October 2nd, 2016. Last time Hoyer won a game, or rookie Aiden O'Connell, the fourth-round pick out of Purdue, who I'd like to see have an opportunity to play, but only if Jimmy isn't cleared. I'm all good for Jimmy Garoppolo this year. I'm not going to run from Jimmy. That's the last thing I'm going to do. I really believe that Jimmy is due for a a bounce-back game, the type of game that you could have a bounce-back game and can do it in front of a lot of Raider fans in Los Angeles. And I hope that plays a part in him coming back and playing in this game. I hope the fact that that's going to be a friendlier environment than most road cities and Jimmy gets cleared, doesn't get much practice in, and is able to go out there and play some important football for a team that needs an important football win. We're brought to you by Woodson Bourbon Whiskey. Uh, Charles was out there last night at the Raider fan event at Allegiant Stadium. He's everywhere. Saw him on the sidelines, and as soon as I saw Charles on the sidelines, I went up to him and I thanked him. I thanked him for the partnership because Charles Woodson knows we got a big audience here, a big streaming audience with Woodson Bourbon Whiskey. And I told Charles this, and I told his partners, if we can get his Woodson Bourbon Whiskey in any bar that doesn't have it, we're doing our job. So go to a restaurant. Go to the bartender. Even if you're not drinking that night, go, hey, by the way, I'm looking at all those bottles. You got Woodson Bourbon Whiskey back there? And if he says no, say, give me a card, please. Who can I be in touch with? And we will get it in there. Woodson Bourbon Whiskey, the legend of Charles Woodson with his wine, now his bourbon whiskey. We wish him nothing but the best. So I got a podcast to do, and then we'll be back here tomorrow. Big show again lined up, and we're full Chargers now. Let's get into the Chargers and what it's going to take to win the game. If the Raiders go 2-2, two and two, again, I'm going to throw a parade. I'm throwing a parade down the boulevard. I'm going to move all the cones for F1 and be the. I'll have a baton there. I'll be marching. If they don't win, uh, which the, the Chargers are a heavy favorite, if the Raiders go to 1-3, and three, they're shot to save the season schedule-wise. They're going to win games throughout the season. But to really get on a roll is coming up right after that. I am not in fear of Jordan Love. I am not in fear of Mac Jones. I am not in fear of Justin Fields. Those are the next three opponents. And then there's also Zach Wilson for now and Daniel Jones on the schedule. Raiders have a lot of winnable games, but they got to prove that they can win games and play better. I'm looking for a better complete game. Something similar to Denver where they controlled the game, the energy of the game, and put the game away. Like to see that again. Haven't seen it in the last couple of weeks. Thanks to Bobby who did everything today. Q's got a big show. It's coming up next. He's got you all covered here, and we'll do it again tomorrow. On Instagram, JT the Brick Hits. And I'm now on YouTube where I'm going to knock out a YouTube live in the next couple of nights. Please subscribe. JT the Brick YT for YouTube. And I'll be back here again tomorrow on the flagship of the silver and black. Thanks, guys.